right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Welcome to episode 318 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Flying Solo. Today, Julian Gill, admin on the KISS FAQ message board. Um, today, I'm just going to do a review of Ace Frehley's new Origins Volume 2 album, which is going to be coming out via E1 on September the 18th. Of course, it's the second volume of Ace's, uh, we'll call it Origins, but uh, nearly all the songs have interesting stories behind them, which uh, brings him up to a cumulative hour and a half worth of cover material that's been released on these two albums. I'm pretty excited. I've been living with this album for a little bit. Thoroughly enjoyed it um, as a general overview. Love the production more than on the previous volume. I think it works better. It sounds better. Uh, Very enjoyable from that perspective. I'm a fan of the artwork. I know there's been a bit of debate about it. Um, me, I like it. I'm, I'm happy with what they're doing in terms of its packaging. Um, with those images, love all the little elements on the cover that you can just kind of look at that harkens back to, you know, the old days when there were little Easter eggs buried for you to discover and some things that people didn't notice possibly for a while that suddenly jumped out of them. So it's very much a positive. We've discussed all of the vinyl versions on various FAQ podcasts before, and no doubt we'll do a panel discussion about the album and the track so that the other guys get to chime in with their opinions once the album you know, is properly released on September the 18th, and they've had time to digest it. Um, the debate about all the colored vinyl, well, no one's forcing anyone to buy any of it. I've ordered uh, one of the versions. I've ordered uh, the Target Edition CD. And uh, I'll find a jewel case version in some market, which I get to order because everyone knows I hate digipacks with a passion. So I think in following on from Origins Volume 1, Ace is a pretty high bar that he's got to kind of match. That album, you know, was released in, uh, what was it? April 2016, it hit 23 on Billboard. And yeah, I'm looking down at notes. It was his fourth top 40 album and his second highest charting solo album so that's a high bar to head towards um, and obviously it had the benefit of being you know a new concept back then so volume two doesn't have that kind of uh, um, originality you know that the first one did though volume one clearly indicated that there would be more and i'm glad that is the case so I think we also need to talk about Ace has worked hard over the past decade. I think it's his fifth album, you know, your second Origins volume. You've had Spaceman, you've had Space Invader, you've had Anomaly. So you've got the Trouble Walking Record Store Day coming out. You've had um, the the special EP issue. So, yeah, a, a lot of it is, yeah, people might complain, well, it's just old rehashes. It's not new material. But he is putting out a lot of new material um, in between these other releases. So when you think of someone like Ace and someone of his stature, I mean, he's Ace really, for God's sakes, You know, he was an iconic guitar player who's influenced and inspired millions to pick up the guitar. Um, 
we're many decades away from his 70s heyday, but he still, as a non, you know, focal point performer like Paul Stanley or Steven Tyler, um, David Coverdale, you know, he's still putting out a lot of material when many of his peers are not. Joe Perry, I know, continues to put out material as does Brad Whitford, but not as much as Ace. So I think that's the main benefit. The main thing I really appreciate about Ace is that he's continuing to put out music. And I love how he celebrates the songs that he played in the clubs or songs that he liked or songs that he wanted to learn how to play or songs that he learned how to play to. So I think that's probably the most important thing for me. Um, track listing wise, yeah, there are always going to be other songs that we can suggest that Ace might do. And I'm certainly hoping that there is a volume three, because I think all good things should be trilogies um, down the road, that maybe he can do some of those other songs that fans are going to probably mention that they'd love to hear him do. But Ace throughout his career has always, I think, had a very good ear for picking um, cover songs to record, and that goes straight back to his 1978 solo album and New York Groove. You know, what could have been better? He followed that up with 2000 Man. Great, you know, um, song for Kiss, but one that he had already made his own before he ever got into the studio with the band. And then you get into the 80s, Russell Ballad again, Into the Night, um, Do Ya, Yellow, The Move, originally. So, you know, you go to Foxy Late, what was it, Foxy Late, I think, on uh, ESP. So he's got a whole canon of covers, and there's only ever been one that really didn't work for me, and that was Steve Miller's The Joker. But you know what? That's just personal taste. I saw Steve Miller in concert, one of the few that I went to. Uh, so I love his version on its own. There we go. Let's dig into the track listing and uh, an overview of thoughts on this album. Uh, first up is Good Times, Bad Times, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin 1, 1969, side one, song one. And that in Ace's PR is uh, part of the reason why he has approached this song. What song better than the mighty Led Zeppelin's first song, really? Um to attack and to have as your first song on the album. Um, that was released as a single in the U.S., backed with Communication Breakdown, and while it was predicted to be a hit, it only managed to hit number 80. So this one is strictly coming out of Ace's love of Led Zeppelin, and in interviews, his you know brothers talked about Ace being a fan of Zeppelin, and who wouldn't be inspired by Jimmy Page and that low-slung Les Paul and everything that that band brought to music. I think what I like about this is, number one, it's a, a good vocal effort by Ace. Ace sometimes does the kind of New York Lou Reed um, talk, shout, you know, vocal, rather than singing per se. And I was a little bit concerned about Ace being able to handle the vocal on a song like this, but I think he more than adequately pulled it off in a slightly slower register, but it's more than made up for um, in what might be considered a weakness by the guitar work. And again, it's just a powerful song through and through. I love how Jeremy Asbrock's been, you know, given a guitar part on this as well to play. And I love how, you know, he, he's brought in, you know, the members of his solo band 
uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later down the track order. So I thought that was really cool that, you know, straight from the first song, not afraid to have uh, one of his band members guesting on it. Jeremy does fantastic guitar work that just complements the overall performance on the song very, very well. And best part of the song is the end, how Ace has ad-libbed some of his own lyrics into it, which, uh, again, make it his own, but also allow him to deliver um, a bit of his own message. All right. Track two, Never In My Life by The Mighty, Mighty Mountain. And this song comes off uh, their climbing album from 1970, side one, track three. Same album as Mississippi Queen. Mississippi Queen has been done to death by other bands. Wasp immediately pops to mind. Um, what I love and find hilarious as well, as it'll get an ace freely cackle going for some, is the lyrics. Uh, and the lyrics that are sung are from the Japanese lyric transla uh, translation sheet. So it's... For anyone who's a Kiss collector, you just go through those 1970s Kiss albums and look at the the transcriptions of Kiss's lyrics, and they're sometimes not as good as one might have hoped, but they're certainly entertaining. And uh, as someone who did speak Jap some Japanese at one point, uh, I'm not casting any uh, insults towards them for those lyrical things. I find them entertaining, and Ace has obviously used that for the song, but it works. Even if they might be the wrong lyrics, um, I think the lightning... And the stuff that people hear in some of it is better than the reality of the lyrics. So we'll just put that out of there. Everyone's going to have their own take on it. Um, but I think it's actually quite endearing as it allows him to, uh, you know, electricity, lightning bolts. Some people say it gets a bit old, but come on, he's ace. So we'll just let him keep going on that. Uh, next song is um, Space Trucking. Deep Purple. That's always been one of my favorite Purple songs, going back to when I was first getting into rock. So I think they did a fantastic job on it. I love the video, even though it's got Ace's band guys on it, who uh, don't play on the song. I'm just looking at the credits here. This one, yeah, is pretty much all Ace, uh, with a reunion with Rob Sabino, who was thanked on the Freely's Comets album uh, cover in 1987. He was never a member of Frehley's Comet, but he did help Ace out with arrangements and ideas for, I guess, for keyboards, which is what his forte was. More importantly, Rob and Ace were friends going back to Ace's early days in the Bronx. So it's really nice from an origins point of view for Ace to have a friend from his childhood, his early musical life appearing on the album. Um, so anyone who's heard the uh, Kiss 2020 uh video from way back you know ace used to kind of cackle about all his friends were in dead or in jail or some have straightened up well here's one of them who straightened up and uh you know continues to make music this was cut a few years ago and we'd heard about it when they were talking about origins volume one uh but it didn't get used at that time so again i thought it was a great single um a, a good way to to kind of lead off everyone's introduction to volume two of this uh this album Moving on to the next track is I'm Down. And, yeah, what a kind of missed opportunity in some ways. Uh, that's the Beatles, which I, I was always surprised that, you know, Ace did decide to go with a Beatles song because everyone knows of his love for the Rolling Stones. Um, 
I'm surprised by how well he actually does this very up-tempo song. You know, what I mentioned about kind of the Lou Reed vocal style, uh, that seems to be a, a bit of a signature these days for him. Um, it's a challenging song for him to do, and when you've heard other cover versions of it, notably for me anyway, Aerosmith's, um, I didn't think he would, but I think he totally nails it. And I'm absolutely thrilled that it's as good as it is. It's got John Five um, on guest guitar on it. So, you know, it, it, it's another one where he gets to bring in a friend of his to do stuff for fun. Um, totally, totally happy with how it was. That was, of course, uh, originally a B-side to the Help single in 1965. There's a great bass line, but I love the guitar tones, which I guess shouldn't be surprising if John Five's on there. The guitar tones are going to be totally dialed in and awesome. Um, missed opportunity. I think it could have been since the Origins Volume 2 album has been delayed and pushed back to release for a while. I think it would have been a great opportunity when Little Richard passed for this to be kind of released as a single, with Little Richard having said, I'm down was the you know basically the the best little richard song not written you know by them or something to that effect anyway um maybe it was that paul mccartney wrote the best little richard song whatever it was a completely up-tempo kind of uh song that dialed back to the more of the 50s rock that little richard was a big part of and it would have been a nice homage with that uh connection to him um indirect as it is anyway but uh you know there you go next song up is jumping jack flash and here we go shock horror ace pulls out another rolling stone song but it seems you know that the rolling stones were one of those bands that just mean an awful lot to him this one has a guest appearance on it uh lita ford i am not a fan of lita ford never have been never will be um, but I think she does a, a fantastic job. I'm a, a little bit, you know, not into some of the swearing that gets away from the original feel as it just wasn't done in the 60s. But I do love the, you know, the ad lib at the end that gives, you know, homage to Wayne Kramer and the MC5 because he ends it with a really nice shout out to that band, which, uh, you know, anyone who knows that song will appreciate and hopefully that will make a volume three so ace you got one good idea of your own already for a song on a, a next possible origins three album after you do another studio album of your own material um let's see just look at my notes here um yeah so lita ford does the vocal on this this was a non-album single in 1968 though eventually included on through the past darkly volume two in 1969 it was number three hit in the u.s um in july 1968 favorite song on the album is next and i'm surprised um he revisits cream who obviously were on the first album. And I think there's a great story about the importance of Cream to Ace in that he went to, and I, I mentioned this yesterday when interviewing uh, Robert Duncan uh, on the previous episode, was, you know, the Mitch Ryder Detroit Wheels concert in March 1967 at the RKO. Um, Cream was making their US debut. Ace was there. We don't know which date. 
because they, I think they went for nine days or a ton of performances by that package. Uh, Cream would have gotten two or three songs, probably two, to perform. The Who were there. So you, you get the whole genesis of Ace's kind of musical education in one place in one time, possibly more of a moment in some ways than the Ed Sullivan show and the Beatles would have been on TV. There was all the bands and seeing the guitarist play and for a young impressionable player well there you go so this song a politician is from uh, wheels of fire 1968 side two track two again features john five and that's what makes it special that's what makes it blow emerald out of the water on the previous origins for me um it it was already a super heavy song but it's just a thing of beauty with all the guitars. And you put on the headphones to get the full effect of crossfading that Ace has put into it. Um, it's just spectacular. It's Guitar Wars. It's everything you want from an Ace album uh, when you've got a guest of John Five's caliber as well. Because I think it really makes Ace's game come up an extra level when he's got that foil um, kind of to challenge him. So very, very impressed by how this one has come out. And I just love it. I love the swagger of it. I love the feel. The, uh, the lyrics are perfect for this time. It's uh, a non-political political song, um, which I think whether you, whatever you uh, follow or support, I think you can get behind the, spa the original Spaceman's performance on this. Then we get some humor. Ace humor hand-in-hand hand go together, uh, he's taking on the Kinks, Lola. So, let's see, this this one was 1970, Lola versus Power Man and the Money Ground. Uh, side one, track five, hit number nine on the U.S. charts. A bit controversial, because obviously it was about a transvestite, walks like a woman, but talks like a man. Um, but I think it's perfect. I, and again, I really enjoyed it. Female backing vocals on this um, stood out as well. That uh, Laura Cove, Ace's new bow, is uh, packing some vocal power throughout this album. You can hear her on a, you know, a couple of tracks. And uh, I think she does a fantastic job and brings a really nice element of balance to the song and the performance. But guitars, guitars, guitars. They're all over this album, different tones, different feels. Um, anyone who thinks that it, doing a covers album is lazy, well, sure, it is a little lazy, as Ace has admitted, that he doesn't have to write the songs. He just has to show up and kind of record them and make something uh, unique about them to put his stamp on them, which is perfectly fine. But I think the guitars, again, sing throughout. And uh, as I mentioned, that production improvement for my ears and my taste, certainly help the album be a lot more enjoyable. 30 Days in the Hole. I was scared to death of this. Not a Humble Pie fan. Not a Steve Marriott fan. Um, from their smoking album, 1972. So this is pretty far to the, the end of Ace's origins as a developing guitarist. Um, but I think he's, he's already said that he wasn't sure he would be able to sing it, so he got someone else to sing it and... Cheap Trick, Robin Zander, um, fantastic version. Again, he really wanted a Humble Pie song on the album, so it is, again, a classic song. It's one of the better-known ones, so for someone like me who's not into them, it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. 
and I think they do a really cool version of the song. Um, it was released as a single back in 72, but did not chart. So I think that's the, the only notes that I've come up with on there. Um, another guest, Bruce Kulik, comes in and uh, makes his appearance on an Ace Frehley album, Manic Depression, from the Jimi Hendrix Experience. And Bruce has been no um, stranger to admitting being a fan of Jimmy and who wouldn't have been playing guitar in those days when it was all new, it was all fresh. This song is uh, side one track two from Are You Experienced, the first Jimi Hendrix Experience album. And he plays on the first solo. And you know what? It's Bruce. You can tell it's Bruce. It feels like Bruce. So it's, it's exactly what you'd expect. It's very, very well done as expected. And it's fun. And come on, it's Hendrix. So having him on an album is um, very cool. But I think Ace does a great vocal for this song. Um, which, again, you know, you, you don't always know which Ace you're going to get with one of these songs. And when it works really well, it works really well. And this, again, is one that uh, is uh, well executed. And it's great to have more of the Kiss family on a, on a recording together. So sentimentality, yeah, for me as well. Next up, the other track that I was most looking forward to is Ace's cover of Paul Revere and the Raiders' Kicks. 1966, song originally did not have a guitar solo on it. Hit, hit number four on the charts in May of that year. Side one, track one from their Midnight Ride album, written by, as fans of Wicked Lester will know the names Barry Mann and Cynthia Whale or Wheel. You know, the, the first couple of Brill songwriting, Brill building songwriters. Um, and it was amusingly, when you're considering Ace, uh, an anti drug anthem of the time. But he absolutely slays this song. It's everything that I hoped it was going to be. It's Acified in the right ways. And the riff is just timeless i love it and you know i've i've sung a lot of praises of politician but i, I think people are gonna enjoy this one tremendously as well um just just awesome smile worthy and again coming back to compare to comparing origins volume one and origins volume two you know after a few hundred listens to origins volume two i'm enjoying it way more on balance but i have combined both of them into a playlist um, cut any tracks out they go very well together um they they are very unified even though i've given o2 the nod in terms of production and execution um they work very well ace has been consistent throughout both of these delivered very high quality product um that I think fans can enjoy, regardless of how many versions of the vinyl they end up getting. It's the music that matters at the end of the day. So, another track from History, a non-album single from 1965, uh, though it was included on the U.S. version of Animal Tracks, was uh, We Gotta Get Out of This Place. Again, same songwriters as Kicks, and this one became an anti-Vietnam anthem at the time. Um, it's It's a all ace, you know, other than Matt Starr on drums, and he, he's on most of the songs on the album. Well done. Um, very enjoyable. 
I'm just looking through some of my other notes here. Um, yeah. You know, this one was done a while ago, apparently, as well, but uh, very well done. And then we get to the bonus track. There's been an inane, idiotic debate on the FAQ about um, Ace's solo band's bonus track. Well, number one, it's a bonus track. Number two, for God's sakes, it's Ace's backing band. It's not some random group of people he found on the street. It's a song that the band had started performing live. And they are members of his band who perform it. It's a great opportunity to get the whole band on an album. Um, and since Origins got pushed back, um, the opportunity arose for them to record this. And Ace did his bit, sent it to them. They rearranged and did their magic. I mean, these guys are professionals. And they throw down a really exciting, cool cover version you know, it's like rock and roll hell off the first album. It's like just something else to enjoy. It didn't need to be on there. That's why it gets to be a bonus track. It's an ad. You get the whole Ace Freely band, the current Ace Freely band, getting to represent and be on one of their boss's albums. You know, come on. Come back to the inspiration that Ace is to many musicians and how, you know, Ace's place in history is solidified. I, I, I don't see how anyone could call into question Ace's uh, commitment or his investment in his own music. Ace is all over this album. Ace has done the vast majority of the performances, this, the singing, the bass. You know, uh, engineer, producer Alex Salzman does some bass. Um, there are guest organ players, Rob Sabino. There are guest vocalists on a few songs, but you know, going back to the early 90s and the title of one of Ace's tours, it's more than just for fun. Uh, it's more than just for kicks. It's, it's exciting. So, in a year where we're suffering from COVID, we're suffering from economic issues, we're suffering from social unrest, it's nice to be able to turn it off put on the headphones, and turn it up. So for that, I'm grateful to Ace and everyone who's a part of making this music on this album. Um, to them, I say thank you. You're, you're a diversion. If only for, what, 43 minutes? You're a diversion. And you're one that I can go back to repeatedly. So I think fans are going to enjoy it. I think fans are going to definitely have some of very different opinions than me on some of the songs. But there we are. That's my opinion. I give it five acts out of five acts. So do get it ordered wherever you order your stuff. Don't miss out on the vinyl. Check out that Target edition with the special cover. And uh, who knows what comes down the road. Let's hope that we get to see Ace live soon performing a song or two from this album. And uh, that'll be part of the discussion. Which one of these songs would we most like Ace to add into the set? All right. That's my review. Thanks a lot. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.